Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth, chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. You see, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Oh Lord, for 40 days we find ourselves in the wilderness, searching for answers, seeking to grow closer to you, yearning for your words. So speak to us each of these days so that we might know a little more about you. Know a little more about your love for us in the whole world, but that as we hear those words, that we might be transformed simply by them and thus share them as doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. <clears throat> this is an interesting time to be in church ministry I mean, scholars have looked at sort of the era of Christianity, and some of them have declared this the postmodern or the post-Christian era. And I think in the coming months, as we've moved past the real meat of the matter of the pandemic, we will see this as the emergence of the post-pandemic church. But what really makes this interesting is not the studies or the societal attitudes towards church and towards faith, but really is the underlying generational confluence that's happening within the church. I've said this before, but there are six generations within the body of believers. This is the first time in history because of our longer lifespans that we see six generations of believers in the life of the church. And we're blessed to have good representation across the full spectrum of those generations. I mean, you have the silent generation, the baby boomers, the Gen Xers, the millennials, the Gen Zs, and even now the alpha generation or generation alpha, the ones that come beyond Gen Z. And see, each of them have their own approach to life, their own approach to giving, their own approach to the trust and reliance upon institutions, their own communication preferences. Believe you me, we're trying to figure it out each and every day but even their own ways of exploring faith, ways they choose to spend time and money and value in relationships. This is not bad. I mean, this is just life. 
But it's a balancing act that we're trying to figure out in church and how to be in ministry to and with all of these generations. It shapes what we do. It shapes how we approach our work here at Centenary and our posture towards the world around us. In their book, Faith for Exiles, David Kenneman and Mark Matlock, they discuss how Gen Generation Z and Generation Alpha, that they're going to come to learn to follow Christ in a very different way than my generation did and those that went before me. See, their life has been dominated by screens. They have been exposed to screens long before the rest of us might have been. They sort of have found themselves in this digital Babylon where it has left them searching for meaning. I mean, they can pick their phone up and they can scroll answers to any questions, but the real question they're looking for is meaning in life. And what's really helpful and sort of ironic about their search is that they haven't done anything that any other generation hasn't done in their own context. They're just dissatisfied with technology because it leaves them searching for more. It's an access point, but there's no depth to it. See, what they're really looking for is they want to know how they fit into the world around them. And that's no different than the rest of us when we were growing up and coming along. And today's question, for example, the big question they might be looking at is the one that we see on our bulletin. Where do I find my truest self? Now, the children's church, the children's worship, the Sunday school answer for churches, it's sort of like the obvious, right? Well, Jesus or the church. But to really understand the answer, to really get to the meat of the matter, we must go beyond a one word response. Though, spoiler alert, that really is where we find it. Our truest answer, our truest self, we find that through Jesus and through God, but we've got to dig deeper to understand it because when we lift the veil about life around us, as we scratch that surface and we go deep, we begin to realize the richness of that response. Paul, in writing to the church in Corinth, he's trying to help them understand their true selves they're calling. He says their eyes and their hearts are shrouded in darkness, clouded by the veil of societal norms around them. He says it's only when they understand the glory of Christ that they open their hearts and that they begin to discover their truest selves. And that's same for you and for me. If we want to discover our truest selves, we've got to ask ourselves sort of three questions. Where have we allowed the idols of this world to blind us to the goodness of God? The second question is, how might the light and the glory of Christ transform our very hearts and our very beings? And third, what might we discover about our truest selves, the people of God that we're intended to be? So if we let the light of Christ sort of bubble up inside of us, what might we discover about ourselves? But we first got to recognize that we are a bit blinded, a bit clouded, and that's why we're searching for the answers. That's why we're looking for what is our truest selves, because there is just so much around us, the clutter, if you will. Back before Christmas, uh, Clara and I went skiing. My oldest daughter, she was free from her college classes. And so we just took a Friday and we went up to Beach Mountain. 
It was a great day of skiing, and when we got to the top of the chairlift, it was bright and sunny and clear, but there was below us and before the bottom of the mountain, there was a thick fog, a cloud, if you will. And so we got off the chairlift and we could see beautifully, we could see where we were going, and then as we descended the mountain, we got into the clouds. It made it hard to see, but it wasn't until we got almost to the bottom that we came out the bottom of the cloud, and while it was gray, we could see clearly again. See, my friends, God's desire for us is that we get ourselves out of the clouds, out of the clutter of life, and see clearly what God wants for us. To be clear about who God wants us to be. So we have to ask ourselves, what are the things that cloud our vision? See, when we talk, and Paul's writing, when he talks about the God of this world, he's talking about the idols, the things that sort of blind us, the things that distract us from what God wants for our lives. The things that we worship with a little w, the things that we pay homage to with a little h, things like selfish ambition, upside down priorities, our stuff, our own ego, our own status. Where we make life all about us and we forget that life is about more than just us as individuals, it's about all of creation. See, the clutter that we find ourselves in is when we get upset about policy changes that have a minor negative effect on us, but they have a profound positive effect on the vast majority of people around us. See, for us, what God wants is for us to lift the veil and see that life is not about us, but it's truly about God and God's creation and God's children. See, to find our truest selves, to get out of that cloud, maybe we should start each day asking ourselves this question, where do my priorities get in the way of God's priorities? Where do my priorities get in the way of God's priorities for me, for the world? See, when we answer that question, we begin to lift the veil and we begin to see more clearly. And that takes us sort of the next step that begins that transformation within our hearts. You know, last Sunday liturgically was the transfiguration of the Lord. It recalls that time that Peter, James, John, and Jesus went up to the mountaintop. And while they were there, all of a sudden they were surrounded by a bright light. And Moses, the liberator, was clothed all in glory. Elijah, the prophet, clothed in glory. And then right in front of their eyes, Jesus, the carpenter. Jesus, the one who said, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, right in front of their eyes, was transfigured, transformed. And Peter, James, and John saw Jesus' full glory, the fullness of God, and they realized that not only were they standing on holy ground because Moses and Elijah were there, but that Jesus was the Messiah, was God's way of redeeming the world, God's way of changing it. And it was in that moment, that instant, that they understood that the change was going to be the Messiah, the chosen one, to show the world the way of love. That that was going to be what conquered all. And so for us to find our truest selves, it's rooted in this transformation, this transfiguration. Sure, we've lifted the veil of the cloud, but now that we've got to realize that God's love is meant for us, 
that God's love that shrouded and transformed Jesus right in front of the disciples' eyes was meant for them and that that transforming power can happen within our own hearts as well. That we can be transformed in transfiguration by the grace, the love, and the joy that we find in Jesus. So just as we begin each day asking, where do my priorities get in the way of God's priorities for me? Maybe our daily prayer, the yearning of our soul should be this. Lord, show me the way of your love and transform my heart till it burns white hot with your love. The yearning of our soul each day should be this. Lord, show me the way of your love and transform my heart until it burns white hot. You see, when that begins to happen, then the change that is in our soul, we cannot contain it. But now we begin to share it. We begin to understand our truest selves. You know, I like to read. I like to learn all kinds of things. I'm a lifelong learner. I believe so important. I've got books upon books. I've got a reading list that probably, truth to be told to you, I could probably take the next year of my life off and do nothing but sit in a chair and read books and never run out of material. But book knowledge is great. I mean, I'm intrigued by a lot of subjects. Book knowledge is great, but you really only learn when you take what you read in a book and you begin to put it in practice, right? I mean, I really want to learn how to rebuild a car engine, but if I only read about it, have I done it? No. It's only when I bust my knuckles, only when I get grease on my hands, only when I begin to disassemble and reassemble the engine do I know how it really functions? Well, the same is true if we want to know our truest self. Sure, we can lift the cloud and we can be filled with the transforming love of Christ, but then not only do we now see clearly and that is it burn within us, but we've got to share that light with the world. We've got to live and do as Christ did. I mean, Scripture tells us how to do that. I mean, think of Jesus's ministry. You can kind of sum it up into sort of three categories. One, it's a gospel of hospitality. I mean, in Jesus's world and in the world around Jesus, when he was there, it was a hospitable gospel, was it not? I mean, think about it. Everyone eats. There was the feeding of the 5,000. There was the offering the woman at the well water. See, everyone is cared for. Now, as Southerners, we kind of had this figured out, right? I mean, when someone comes to visit your house, usually they're not inside your door five minutes before you say what? Can I get you something to drink? Would you like a snack? Probably use a fancier term than that, but you get the point. We like to be hospitable with the people that we know. What if we carried that hospitality to the world around us where we made sure that everyone felt welcome in our presence. Everyone eats. We practiced a gospel of loving hospitality. The second part of Jesus' ministry was everyone counts. I mean, what I love about this is that all around the edges, Jesus called all sorts of people, but not only did he call crowds together, he looked who was on the edge. I mean, Zacchaeus, way up in a tree, we little man that was he, he calls him out of a tree and says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to eat at your house tonight. 
the one who was troubled and wounded, that was sick and infirm. Jesus reached out to them, healed them. Jesus noticed the woman that touched the hem of his garment and said, who touched me? In a crowd, a throng of people, who touched me? And the disciples asked that question, Lord, what do you mean? There's like 10,000 people around us. What do you mean? He goes, no, someone grabbed the hem of my garment and the power left me. He knew that someone had reached out in desire. Jesus had a way of seeing everyone. What if we lived our lives that way where everyone counts and we saw people? You want an experiment with this? Next time you're driving down the road in the car, you see someone walking along the road or you see someone on a porch, honk your horn in a friendly tone. Watch people look up and wave with a smile on their face. They're just happy. They don't even know who you are. Now, seriously, do it not when they're walking across you in the crosswalk, but when they're on the side of the road walking, just a friendly honk. Or when it's warmer, roll down your window and say hello to people. Watch it brightens people's days when you see them. Or if you go to the grocery store, chances are you have your line, you have your clerk that you like to go to. They've got a name tag. What if you address them by name instead of just, how are you doing today? But you said, Denise, it's so good to see you. How's your day going? People like to be noticed. That's Jesus's ministry. When we do that, we begin to reflect that light of Christ, that transforming power. And finally, words matter. Jesus, uh, Jesus had this whole way of weighing what he said, but saying the words that fit the minute and they were the right words. Thinking about how our words matter is very important. In this day and time, sometimes we can say things, we get up on the wrong foot with people. It's not being politically correct. It's being gospel correct to say loving things that make people feel like they matter. They count in our presence. Our words truly matter. So if we want to find our truest selves, we need to reflect that light that is burning deep within our hearts. It's burning white hot by hospitality, by making sure that people know that they count and by the words that we use. Oh, it truly is an exciting time to be in ministry, as I said. I mean, there's six generations. It makes life interesting and fun some days, but it truly is an exciting time to be in the church in this era of world history. I think of the old jingle from Ace Hardware, where Ace is a place with a helpful hardware people. This is the place, my friends. This is the place to ask the big questions and to find the answers. Every generation asks this question in some form or fashion, where do I find my truest self? And what we know in this place, what we know from the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we find our truest selves when we lift the veil of distractions so that we finally catch sight of what God wants for us. We ask Christ to transform our hearts with his grace and his love and his joy. And then we reflect that light for the world around us. See, when we do that, we find our truest selves. And my friends, we are able to discover the people that God has intended us to be since the day we were born. And that is a blessing and a gift, not only for us, but for the world around us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen and amen.
Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.